Good morning, Raymond South Coast. So good to be with you this morning. My name is Greg, and my wife Kristen and I, uh, we've been partners here at uh, Rama for, I guess, a little over five years now. And it's so good to be with you uh, this morning and speaking with you, sharing with you. Hopefully you're having a great day this morning, and hopefully you've got your Bibles ready. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. We're going we're gonna to study out of 2 Corinthians today, and I always love to go through a little background, a little history on what is going on so I can understand the context of that scripture before we start digging into it. So 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, if you remember, Paul was named Saul to begin with, Saul of Tarsus. Now, Saul, uh, when he first comes into our picture in the Bible, Saul was persecuting Christians. Saul was, was even present, one of the ones we know for, very familiar with, is when Stephen was stoned, Paul was present during that time, and he approved of that. That story, if we back, read back through Acts number 7, we'll, we'll see that. But Paul, just a couple chapters after that, in Acts chapter 9, Paul has gotten permission from the high priest to take any followers of Jesus and bring them back to the high priest bound so that they can be tried uh, for, for going against the uh, Jewish religion of that day. Now, during that time, Paul, as he's writing, a bright light shines and Jesus appears to him. And Paul is going for a purpose to, to uh, persecute the Christians. And Paul himself, on the road to Damascus, becomes a Christian at that time. And Paul goes on to be one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest church planters, one of the greatest preachers, one of the greatest apostles of the apostolic age. It's amazing what God did and used in Paul's life during that time. Paul was alive from about 5 AD up until about 64 to 66. We don't know exactly when his death was. But Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles. Paul was somebody that, that God chose after those guys came. Paul began his ministry from the mid-30s to the mid-60s, 50s or 60s, mostly in, in minor Asia, which is what we would know as some of the Middle East or in, in Europe and Greece and those areas. And Paul, as he had that ministry, and he would go out in, in missionary journeys and, and share the gospel with people, Paul was great at starting churches. That's what his love was, and that's what he did. Paul went to Corinth on his second missionary journey, and Corinth is where the book of 2 Corinthians is written to. Corinth is a city located in modern-day Greece. It's about 100 kilometers from Athens. And Paul went to Corinth with the intentions of sharing the gospel with Jewish people. See, Paul was Jewish. Paul was out of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul, Paul was an Israelite himself. So Paul went with the intention that I am going to share the gospel with them. But the Jewish people rejected him. So Paul began to minister to the Gentiles. And really a Gentile is just somebody who is non-Jewish. And Paul began to see success in, 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 in people following Jesus through those relationships, through those people he met, through those people he preached to. And, and Jesus appeared to Paul during that time in a vision and told him to continue what you're doing. So Paul stayed in Corinth for 18 months. It's one of the longest cities that Paul stayed in when he was planning a church. After Paul left Corinth, he went to 
Ephesus, which Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey of where we know. And Paul wrote these letters to the Corinthian church while he was in Ephesus or after he left Ephesus, he wrote the second letter from Macedonia. Paul loved the area of the Corinthians. I think he loved them so much because it was a group that he was not expecting to minister to. He wasn't expecting to minister to people who were not Jewish, and God began to transform his mindset at that time. While Paul was in Corinth, he actually wrote two letters to the church that he had already started in Thessalonica. The first and second Thessalonians he wrote during that time. Most scholars believe that Paul had written uh, four letters to the Corinthian church just based off of what is written in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9, he references a letter he has previously written to the Corinthians. And then in, in, in 2 Corinthians 2, he talks about a letter of tears, which we don't really believe that 1 Corinthians represents the same letter that he's talking about in 2 Corinthians. So there's a possibility that Paul had written four letters to this area. I tell you that just because it shows the love he had for that church, for that group of people. While Paul was in Ephesus, the Bible records he visited Corinth two more times while he was there. Now, Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, and, and, and both letters to the Corinthians, because they had written him asking him questions. When Paul left Corinth, people came in after him and began to, fight, began to start up uh, fights among the people, began to start quarrels and division, and the church began to have problems. And, and, and the Bible even tells us they began to teach a different gospel. A gospel that, that was not what Paul came to teach. And what happened was we had people come through who were so interested in building themselves up so others would listen to him. Instead, instead of saying that I'm going to preach Jesus, they wanted themselves to be famous. They wanted themselves to be there. They wanted, they, they even addressed, they even attacked Paul and said, Paul's not even really a true apostle. They said, no, he's, he's meek. Maybe he's not well-smoking. Maybe he's, he's not one that, that looks the role of, of what an apostle should be. So they begin to talk bad about Paul. And Paul, what we're going to read today, he is addressing those, what he calls, super apostles. He, he's making fun of even, even their role and how they talk themselves up and talk how, how great their gifts are. So if we're reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start reading out of verse 22. Hopefully you've got your Bibles there in verse 22. And now look what Paul does. He's addressing the Corinthians and he's talking about the subject of the attacks he's taken. In verse 22, he says, are they Hebrews? Talking about these other guys who come in after him. Are they Hebrews? He said, so am I. Are they Israelites? He said, so am I. He said, are they of the seed of Abraham? He says, so am I. You know, these ministers came in after Paul left, but they were focusing on their titles or their heritage or the gift they had or how much money they have. They were focusing all the superficial things that are there. They weren't focusing on the message of Jesus. Paul taught how great our God is. Paul taught about how Jesus came. You know, sometimes when when we walk this earth, we can be distracted with everything that goes on and we can lose focus of the most important thing we have, Jesus who came to be our Savior. There are many people who are are focusing on titles or or they're focusing on what heritage they might come from or, or what finances they might have or they feel like their importance may come from the job they have or the title they have. 
car they drive, the house they live in, the person they marry. There's so many things that, that people can get distracted with. And really the only important piece that we have is who Jesus is in their life. I hear people talking about what legacy are they going to live? I've had people ask me, uh, uh, what, what legacy are you going to leave? You know, the only legacy we should be focused on is who Jesus is. We should focus on the Jesus and what he can do in people's lives. I believe this is where Paul begins to address these people about how they are self-absorbed about who they are. We should only be focusing on who the Jesus is. Look, look what verse 23 says. I, I think this is the verse where, where Paul begins to address them almost in a facetious way. He says, are they ministers of Christ? He even questions whether they're ministers. Now he says, I'm going to speak as a fool. He says, I'm even more. Look, look what he begins to address here. Now he's not a talking about the great things about what most people might brag about. Paul says, I'm going to boast in things they won't even talk about. He says, in labors, I'm more abundant. In stripes, more measurable. In prison, more frequently. In deaths, more often. Paul says the titles are all foolish. He says, I'm even speaking as a fool that I would even mention my heritage or my title or, or who I am. He says, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something they, these guys won't talk about. Let me tell you about all the problems I have. I'm going to boast in my problems. Instead of boasting about what I've done, let me boast about what I've walked through. Look at what verse 24 says. Paul says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At night and a day have I laid in the deep. In journeys often. So Paul said when I would travel, he says in pearls of water. What does pearls mean? Pearls means in serious or immediate danger. He says in serious or immediate danger of waters, in serious or immediate danger of robbers, in serious or immediate danger of my own countrymen, in serious or immediate danger of the Gentiles, in serious or immediate dangers in the city or in the wilderness or at the sea. Paul says everywhere I went, it seemed like there was trouble. In weariness, I toil. In sleeplessness often. In hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concerns for all churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. You know, I look at these scriptures. And I look at who Paul was. I, I started out in the introduction that Paul's considered to be one of the greatest apostles of the day. But I look at everything Paul went through. Why did Paul go through these things? Why did God not deliver him? Why did God not make his life easy? Why did God not allow Paul to overcome. I, I, I look at the, he was beaten five times with 39 stripes. You know, I would think one was enough, then I would learn to avoid those people. He was beaten with rods three times. The things that Paul went through, but not only from human, you think about the shipwrecks. He had three shipwrecks. He was stranded. It said he went without food. He was thirsty. He was hungry. 
Look at the things Paul went through. You know, sometimes we're taught a gospel that, that we're supposed to only be blessed. And I believe God blesses us. I believe God takes care of us. But why was Paul in these predicaments? I, it looks like Paul here suffered more than anyone. And he says, I'm going to brag about those sufferings. You know, was Paul not praying for an easy life? Was Paul not asking God to guide his steps? Was Paul not asking God to put him in the right places? Many times in the book of Acts when we read about Paul, and more than half the book of Acts talks about his life, when we read about Paul, we're reading about God directing him to where he should be going. But then he goes there and he runs into hard situations. Does God not protect his people? I believe God does protect his people. I believe God does take care of his people. I believe God was blessing Paul during this time. I mean, God was definitely using Paul. If we look at the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament was written from these letters Paul wrote during these times. You know, this, this passage, I, I've read it my whole life. I've, I always love to study about Paul. I love to study about the missionary journeys that Paul did and the people he reached. But this passage right here, in particular, has ministered to my life so much over the last 18 months. Over the last 18 months, and I've requested prayer from the church. Now you, I know you all have been praying for me, and I, I appreciate those prayers. And it, it seems like so often, nowhere near to the level that Paul was, but I felt like I was in those predicaments where how do I get the blessing of God back on my life? 18 months ago, on March 10th, my middle son, Ezra, and I, we went to the U.S. Now, we had heard about coronavirus. You hear about problems in the world all the time. We didn't think that the coronavirus would bring the world to the knees like it did. My son and I arrived in, in New York City on March 11th, which was his ninth birthday of 2020. And we were expecting to spend three weeks in the U.S. and then come back and be with our family my wife and my other two sons here in South Africa, because this is home. The first Sunday when I was preaching in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, my wife sent me a message and said that President Ramaphosa had closed the South African borders to anybody coming from America. I said, that's fine. We don't have a flight for three more weeks. Everything will be fine by then. The next Sunday morning, I was preaching in Jackson, Tennessee. And my wife sent me another message and told me that President Ramaphosa has closed the South African borders to everyone. We're going to go into a hard lockdown here in South Africa. And you know, for me, I, I begin to pray, God, I'm supposed to be home with my family. I'm supposed to be there to protect my family, protect my kids. How, how am I going to do this if I'm not there? And I, I asked people to pray and everybody was praying. And I was believing God to open a door so I could come home and come home immediately. And we begin to pray into these areas and we begin to believe in prayer and we begin to ask God. And I'm sure, I'm sure if we look at Paul during these times, he was asking God for, for those steps of how he could get back to where he believed he was supposed to be. And I asked God, I said, God, I want to go back to be with my family. I want to go back. You've called me to be a protector of my family, to protector of my wife a comforter. God, bring me back home. And we would pray. And you know, there was a time there for, for, for the first little bit, every morning I would wake up expecting to see a good report that I can come home. 
that the, the airlines were flying again, that things were happening again. And then one morning I woke up and I read a report that South Africa had not planned to open its borders for eight months, not until November. And you know, it was almost like a hope inside of me almost dropped. I was thinking, God, how am I going to be where I'm supposed to be? How am I supposed to be with my family? How am I supposed to be with my loved ones? How am I supposed to be where I'm supposed to be? Now, now my family is going through this, this time. I'm not there to help them. I'm not there to protect them. And not, not only that, God, I'm stuck in America. Me and my son don't have a home in America. Me and my son doesn't have, we, we don't have anywhere to stay. We weren't planning to be here for eight months. We weren't planning to, to, to have an extended stay here. Not that we would want to even if we planned, but, but God, how does all of this work? And we, we took a long drive, my son and I. I told him, we just, we're just going to get in the car and we need to drive. He, he sat in the back and he was watching videos and I was sitting in the front driving and I was asking God, God, you've got to reveal something to me. Because I, I, was, I was feeling desperate. And I remember just deep down in my heart, God asked me, he said, do you trust me? And I said, yes, God, I trust you. I trust you that you can get me home. But you know, that wasn't what God was asking me. God said, do you trust me? Do you trust me that I can take care of your wife? Do you trust me I can take care of your kids you're not with? Do you trust me that I can take care of you while you're in America? Do you trust me that I already have it worked out? See, I had a plan in my mind that I wanted. I want to be home and I want to be home now and I want to take care of my family. But God said, I can do everything for you. I still, in my mind, I can't think right now, God, why did me and my son spend eight months in America? But you know what? I know God had a purpose and maybe the only purpose it was is for me to get down to a new level of saying, God, I trust you with everything I have. Even when I can't touch it myself, God, I trust you. You know, I believe that's where God took Paul to, to a place where Paul says, it doesn't matter where you tell me to go, I will go because I know you're in control. On that same drive, I got a phone call from one of, one of my friends I grew up with. He was about seven hours from where we were driving at the time, and he asked me, he said, Greg, what are you going to do? I know you're stuck here in America. You can't get home. We weren't planning to. What is your plan? And I said, really, I do not have a plan. He said, look, my grandmother's house, she passed away a few years back. He said, it's empty. He said, if you want to come and stay in it, you can have that house. As long as you're here, it's yours. I said, well, that's God taking care of some stuff. But you know what? There's nothing in the house. It, well, I had barely even hung up that phone with him when I got another phone call. And it was from a lady at another church. And she said, I hear you're going to be staying in the area. She said, send me a grocery list. I'll buy groceries. They'll be at their house when you get there. I got another phone call just a few minutes after that that said, hey, we're, we're, we're putting stuff in the house so that way you got a bedroom, you got some couches, you got the stuff you need. You know, by the time I got there, God had already set up a place for me and my son to stay. Was it where I wanted to be? No, I wanted to be home. But God said, I have made a plan already. You know, he taught me during that time, even, even in brokenness, even with wanting to go home, even every morning at that house, I woke up thinking I'm going to get to come home today. But God taught me to trust him. He'll take care of it. You know, while we were there, we never had a need that wasn't met. 
While I was gone, my wife ever, never had a need that wasn't met. Would we have loved to have been together? Yes, this is home to me. I would have loved to have been here. You know, it was, it was a tough situation. I know in South Africa, and I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to be with the people I love. But God had another plan. You know, I learned a prayer even then when I would ask God, and he would say, do you trust me? And I said, God, I still trust you. I don't understand, but I still trust you. God was showing me he was in control. We finally got to come home the last part of October. It was a crazy trip home and I won't get into all that, but I got to come home and I was so excited to be with my family. And we just spent a little bit of time just being together, but I was expecting when the first of 2021 came, we could get back into ministry. We could get back into doing what we were doing. And then we hit a lockdown. You know, sometimes we can have our mind focused on, our identity almost, can be focused on what we do. I'm used to being able to minister in the community. I'm used to being able to go into schools. The schools were closed. You couldn't have assemblies. You couldn't do anything. And I thought, God, what is going on in this world? What is happening? You know, when when we're walking in that obedience of God, we've got to learn, God, I trust you. And everything that's there. You know, I believe this is where Paul was at. There was sometimes Paul would go into an area and he wouldn't be able to spend more than 10 days before they ran him out of town. I'm thankfully I haven't been ran out of town anywhere. But it wasn't always easy when Paul was walking. I believe in each one of our lives, it's not always easy. Sometimes we buy into a gospel that, that when we follow Jesus and we trust Jesus, everything is going to be easy. And it's not true. Yes, it's a great life. Yes, I would not change me being a Christian and following Jesus for anything. But it's not easy. Since I've been back in South Africa and thinking life would be great just for me to get home, because that had been my prayer for eight months. God, let me get home. I I get back to South Africa, then I catch coronavirus. I didn't realize it at first. I I was thinking it was seasonal allergies or whatever. I've got asthma, and I always have problems with that during certain times of the year, and I couldn't breathe, and I was walking and and, and just trying to keep my breath. But I started doing my my, uh, normal allergy medicine, but after the third day, and I wasn't getting better, uh, we called the doctor, and he wanted me to get tested, and sure enough, I had coronavirus. And we, we made it through the, the coronavirus. It, it was not easy, and any of you all that have had coronavirus, um, you, you, can, you can vouch for it. It's, it's not a fun um, disease to have, and I pray for anybody who, who may have that, and if you haven't had that, I pray for you to stay um, safe and, and, and not have to experience that. But I had been home for just over two weeks with coronavirus. And during that time of, I mean, I wasn't feeling like going anywhere, anywhere. I had no energy. I had, I had some bad sinus pressure and headaches and, and was very sick for, for that whole two weeks. But after I'd finished the two weeks, I started feeling a little bit better. And I was thinking, I just want to get out of the house for maybe a few seconds. I'd finished my quarantine. I wasn't contagious anymore. And the first time I left the house, we were working on some, uh, some building there on the farm, and, and I was needing to have a TLB do a little work. And, and just a few weeks before getting coronavirus, my neighbor had mentioned to me that he had just bought a TLB. 
So I told my wife, I was like, I'm just going to run over to his house very quickly. I'll be back in probably 15, 20 minutes. I'm just going to see if I can get him to come over and, 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 and do the work there at my house. So I got in my bucky and drove off the farm, drove across the tar road. I didn't go a half a kilometer to his house. When I got to his house, I stepped out of my bucky. He, he's, he's got a junkyard there at his house. And I stepped out of my bucky and I walked to the front and I just called his name because I didn't see him when I first got out. And I, I figured he, he, would, he would come. And I heard the dogs bark there at the house, but I wasn't by the house. Well, one of the dogs ran up in front of me and he squared off in front of me and I wasn't concerned. I've been to the guy's house before. And then all of a sudden the dog reaches over and bites me on my right leg. And I think at that point, you know what, it's probably a good idea to go back to the bucky. So I begin to turn around to go back to the bucky, and that's, that's when it hit. I had three dogs hit me from the back. One of them caught me here on my calf, one on my knee, and one on my thigh. And then the original dog that bit me on the leg, there was a big dog jump over top of him and latched on to my chest. And then the dog that bit my leg began to rip my right arm, and I could not get loose from these dogs. It was, it was a fight that, that I was not expecting, I was not planning for. And after just spending the quarantine time, it was not a plan that I had. And I finally got the dog after many, it seemed like forever, and it's kind of foggy because I don't remember a whole lot from all the trauma. But I finally got the dog that was latched onto my chest loose, and I began to leave. I didn't realize the three dogs that was gnawing on my left leg, the damage they had done. But as I turned, my left leg gave out and I fell. And while I was laying on the ground, I thought, man, this is the end right here. These dogs are about to kill me. I've got to get up. And just as I lifted my head, I I noticed there was a spade laying on the ground. So I grabbed the spade and I started slapping dogs. They were biting me on the the shoulders and, and the sides and everything at this point. And I got loose and got back in my bucky, and I drove home. I don't know how because I couldn't use my left leg. I drive a a manual uh, bucky. But I got back home. I tried to call my wife on the way home because I didn't want my boys to see me the way I was. And I couldn't get the phone to work. Um, Luckily, she came out. I tried to get out of the, the bucky to help her, and I fell in the driveway again because my left leg was not useful. She took me to the hospital. You know, when, you, when you've just done coronavirus, going to the hospital is not the number one thing on your mind. When I get there, they're calling the surgeons to bring them in. I'm going to share this little bit here because it's been something that's, that's been an opening for me. While we were in the hospital, they were asking me if the dogs had had their rabies shots, and I didn't know. So I called the owner of the dogs just to tell him what had happened and asked him if the dogs had their rabies shots. And I tried to encourage him to tell him, look, I'm a Christian. I don't believe in suing people. I don't believe in, you're, 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 don't, don't worry about any of that. I'll take care of everything myself. And um, I just told him, I said, look, if, if the dogs have been vaccinated, please just give me the paperwork because these guys are going to make me take the vaccine, uh, you know, all the rabies vaccines and stuff. So the guy told me he would call me back. I've never heard from him since, not to get into that. But the forgiveness you have during those times to realize I don't have hatred towards some person. God has a purpose in everything he does. I had two surgeons, one orthopedic surgeon working on my leg, the other surgeon working on my upper body, sewing everything up. A couple hundred stitches, and three hours later, I came out of operation. 
I spent the next week laying on my back in a hospital bed. You know, you, you, you've got to have your mind there. I, I don't know if any of you all have ever been to the place where you felt like you were going to die. I felt like I was going to die. And I know God brought me through that. And I'm laying there in the hospital. I can't feel my left leg. It was probably about the fourth day before I could ever feel it, and which I believe is a miracle. And I, w- I won't talk about that part today. God did bring that leg back to life. It's not 100% yet, but he brought it back where I can walk on it. I wasn't sure that I was ever going to walk on it again. But I went into the hospital on June 9th. Those of you all who live in South Africa realize that um, July 12th was when we had some major unrest inside of our country. Our town in Port Edward was, was totally looted. The dirt road that goes in front of my farm was one that was used. My wife and my three sons are at home once again without me. Not that I would have been any help if I was there because I was pretty beat up at that time. My wife's telling me she's hearing gunshots during the whole day. People taking stuff up and down the road. And you know, once again, I got to ask God, God, what is going on? God, I'm supposed to be there to protect my family. I'm supposed to be there to, to, to bring comfort to them. I'm supposed to be there to help them. And I, I'm laid up here, not even that I wanted to be here. And you know, my prayer once again was, God, I trust you though. I trust you that you can make this happen. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't like I had any other option at that point. Not that any other option would have been better, but I knew. You know, the time that you're in the U.S. that I didn't want to be there. I watched God provide for me. I watched God take care of my family. It was just a stepping stone to show me how powerful our God is, no matter what's going on around us. You know, I know we've got a God who can take care of everything. I know we have a God who can work at everything. I know we have a God who is working in our life every day. I believe Paul had that same realization. You know, you you think about it. I got shipwrecked once. Maybe I won't take a ship the next time. Maybe I'll find another. I'll get a better ship. You know, Paul still said, God has called me to a place I'm going to go no matter what stands between me and that place. You know, I take comfort in this passage that Paul wrote. Over the last 18 months, it it, it has really transformed my life. It has really transformed. Because just like anybody else, I'm going to be honest, sometimes you can have the idea that my identity is based off of what I do or who I am. And when you get to the point where you can't do anything, for the last... 11 weeks, that's just since, for, for, for the last four months, the only thing I've been able to do is try to recover. You know, when you, when you get to that point, my only identity is Jesus who lives inside of me. That's the only thing I have that I can boast about. You know, I, I, I look at my body and I look at all the scars down my body. You know, maybe, maybe some of us, maybe if you're watching today, maybe you've got scars. Maybe they're not physical scars on your flesh. Maybe you've got scars in your emotions or, or, or in, your, in, your, in your social lives. Maybe somebody's hurt you and you, you've got those wounds that are there. I want to share with you what God has given me because I look at those areas and, and I'll be honest, when... when 
when I started healing up some, I was kind of repulsed at I'm never going to look normal again. But I got a new idea of what those scars represent because I believe just me being alive is God performing a miracle in my life. I believe me being able to walk right now is God performing a miracle in my life. And when I look at those areas on my body right now, I don't just think, God, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I look at those scars in my life and I think, God, that is you working a miracle. You got to change your mindset. Don't think those things represent evil. Don't think those things represent something bad in your life. Think those things represent who God is and the power of who God is. You know, we've got an incredible God. We've got an incredible God who works in our life. You know, I believe, I believe I've got, I've got a, I've got a new life. I believe God gave me a new hope, a new, a, a, a second chance. To even continue to do what he's called me to do. You know, I don't, I don't walk as good as I used to. I, I still was with a doctor this week doing a nerve study on my leg to find out why some of it's not responsive. I was with an orthopedic surgeon trying to figure out if there's anything we could do. I've got physical therapy. I'm, I'm doing all of those things. I don't look at those as a negative. I try not to look at those as something bad. I look at those as I've got an opportunity. You know what? You know what's been been amazing there is, and, and I don't I don't say this negative toward anybody. And you know, like I said, I'm not mentioning names or anything like that. But I I've had the doctors. I've had people that I've gone to see. So many people ask me, "Is the guy paying for that?" And I said, "No, no, he's not." I said, "I told him that he doesn't." feel responsible. It's not his job. I'm taking care of it. And they, they, they even ask people, ask me why, why you don't sue him. And, and I've used this as a testimony in myself. I said, I'm a Christian and I operate according to the standards God gave us. And I've been able to share the gospel with so many people just based off of me being attacked by dogs. I know I don't like being attacked by dogs, but you know what? God has opened the door for me to tell somebody else about his love and why I act different than other people. I want to ask you, as as I'm closing out here, why are you a follower of Jesus? Do we just follow Jesus for the blessings? Are we following him so he can give us the things that we think we need? Are we following him so he can give me a new job? Maybe he can, he can give me the wife and the husband or the, the family I want. Maybe, maybe I feel like he can give me a promotion at work or, or bring the extra money in. Why, why are we following Jesus? Why do we have him as the one we follow? As I said, right now, I walk with a limp. But you know what? I'm still walking. God hasn't forsaken me. I know some people can look and when you, when you have problems, they can think, well, you must have done something wrong. You must have stepped out of line. You must not have been close enough with God. But when I read this story about Paul, the apostle, and everything he went through, I do not believe that's true. I believe we live in a world that has evil and things happen to us. But God has never left us. He's never forsaken us. Don't allow what you've gone through to change what your mindset of God is. God still loves you. God still cares about you. 
God's who brought you through that situation. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus for this reason. Because I was a sinner and I needed a savior. I wanted to be reconciled with God. And I had made mistakes myself. And I needed somebody to pay the price. And Jesus paid the price for all of my sins. He paid the price for your sins. That's why I follow Jesus. It doesn't matter whether he blesses me or not. I'm thankful for the blessings. I'm thankful for the good times. I'm thankful for the opportunities. But I cannot be mad about the bad things that happen. Because God is still God no matter what. God is still God when the bad things happen in your life. God is still God when the good things happen in your life. I was thinking, why, why do we want to go to heaven? Do we want to go to heaven because the, the, it, it, the streets are paved with gold and, and the mansions and, and all the great things? Or do we want to go to heaven because we want to be with God? We want to be with Jesus. You know, the, the, the blessings are great, but... I want to go to heaven because I want to be with my Savior. I want to be with Jesus. Maybe today you're here and you may not know that Savior. You may not know that Jesus I'm talking about. You may not have that confidence. I believe Paul could walk the way he did. He could brag about the things he bragged about because he knew the Jesus he knew. He didn't need to impress anybody. He didn't need any blessing because he had seen Jesus face to face. You know what? We can have that same confidence in our life today. Maybe you're here this morning. You don't know that Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and and you've not had that relationship with him before. You know, he's right there waiting for you. He's right there to forgive you and to make you in right standing with your God. If you're here this morning, if you're, if you're watching, I want to give you that opportunity to pray with him. All you've got to do is, is, is repeat a prayer from your heart, and it goes something like this. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. God, I know I've made mistakes, and God, I know Jesus paid the price for those mistakes. Father, I turn from my mistakes, I turn from my sin, and I turn toward Jesus God, I make him Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are now a follower of Jesus. You're now what we call a Christian. And I want to encourage you, you need to get into a local church. You need to find a church that can feed you spiritually. You need to find a church that can disciple you. And you need to continue to walk in that perfect life. We love you today, and I'm thankful that God has chosen you to be part of his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.